When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Sounds Good is brought to you by the people who make my podcast happen, Gradient. Gradient is the brand reaching open-minded, culturally inclusive, justice-oriented millennials through in-depth reporting, long-form features, and thoughtful commentary on what's happening in the world around us. If you like this podcast, be sure to check out some of the other great shows that are part of the Gradient Podcast Network. One that I love is called It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's a Podcast a show that explores the infinite overlaps between superheroes, the people who create them, and the connections to the world around us. Check out this clip. Speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, that filming also continues apace. There's a lot of rumors flying around about it, but we don't know a whole lot actually for sure yet. They've kept this really under wraps, uh, both in terms of... There's a lot of rumors about big casting like cameos from people, but nothing... Nothing is really known all that well. But we're excited. I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great yeah. movie. I'm so excited I mean, about Guardians of the Galaxy too. Kurt Russell's in it. so Kurt Russell is <laughs> definitely in it. Do you think he's going to play uh, Star-Lord's dad? I, I think- don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is like, it. He, he can play the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Check it all out at gradient.is slash podcasts. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at gradient.is. That's gradient, D-O-T-I-S. Or just search for Gradient and subscribe to their podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Gradient. News, culture, and the human experience. Hello, hello, Brandon Harvey here with this week's episode of Sounds Good, the podcast where every single Monday I sit down with an inspiring person and talk about happiness, overcoming struggles, and living a life of intentionality and wonder. Today I'm talking with one of my all-time favorite people on the internet, Dallas Clayton. You've almost certainly seen his fun, positive Instagram photos, or at least some Instagram photos inspired by him. When he's not busy writing books for children of all ages, touring the world, painting on buildings, or climbing trees, he's generally trying to find happiness and share it with others. He's been called the Dr. Seuss of the internet generation. Justin Timberlake is a big fan of his, and I'm so excited for this conversation. So without any further ado, let's jump straight into this. Okay, I'm here with Dallas Clayton. Um, I'm so excited that you're on the show, Dallas. Welcome to Sounds Good. Thanks for having me. I, I wish I was physically there. I know. Uh, tell me, uh, tell me where you are right now. <laughs> um, I am in a car on a freeway in Los Angeles, in the back of a car, headed toward the ocean. It's about uh, ten in the morning here, and it's really beautiful out. And I woke up, and I doing things and then I was reminded that I had to do this podcast but I had already decided that I wanted to go to the ocean so then I thought it's the future let's combine both of those things <laughs> uh, I like that I like wouldn't expect anything less from you I'm, I'm glad that we're having a conversation about happiness and joy um, while you're on the way to the ocean so this is great I wanted to just start off by saying there's so many things that I could say about what you do you're an artist you're an author you have a huge audience on social media, um, but how would you describe who you are and what you do? Um, I usually just say that I write kids' books because uh, that's a pretty magical thing to do, and it's sort of a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, um, and it also confuses people. So usually in L.A., if you talk about what you do, that's a, it's a pretty big defining characteristic of a conversation. Uh, and most of the time, if you tell people that you write or you're an artist or something along those lines, um, it comes with a predetermined line of questioning, right? Like if you say that you're a writer, 
It usually means that you write screenplays and then you get to ask what kind of screenplays and it's, it's all about validation. But if you say that you write kids' books, it's the equivalent of saying that you sell magic to people <laughs> and everyone is, is very excited about that conversation. It's very disarming and I like that. I love that. I love that. Your books are all very playful and they're fun. What would you say is like the common thread between them? Like if you were to describe like, I try to create books along this line of things. Like, how would you break that down? Um, well, I guess I'm getting into a place at this point in my life where I'm trying to live without those parameters. Yeah. You know? uh, so that potentially each thing could be its own independent piece and, and, um, and not be burdened by uh, any like pre-existing rules schematic that I've set up. But... Uh, that said, each book that I do kind of has a core theme and I find that the bigger and broader that I make those themes, like love or dreams or gratitude, um, the easier they are to, to write and to draw and to share because they're able to reach the largest group of people. Mm. Uh, you know, if you, if you write about, um, like for instance, just even in the kids world, you know, if you write a book about a penguin um, people might not all have a relationship to a penguin. Like, there might be some people who've never seen a penguin. Some people might live in a place where penguins don't live. Other people might not even know penguins exist. But <laughs> if you write a book about love, uh, everyone has a relationship to that, whether they've been in love or have a, you know, a male-female relationship with love or a female-female or a mother-son, whatever it is, you have a relationship. You love the trees, you love yourself, whatever it is. And so... Um, um, I try to keep the themes broad, and that way they can live uh, hopefully many lifetimes beyond me. That's I really like that idea. I like that idea of making it bigger than your little specific niche. Um, I, just, I feel like I just said that love will live longer than penguins, which is <laughs> uh, that might be a possibility. Oh, that's a sad and, and also potential truth. I remember one time I was walking down the street, and this person came up to me and uh, as they do from time to time where they're trying to get you to donate money to a thing and they were raising money for polar bears and this was years ago and I remember she said that there were only 7,000 polar bears some number of polar bears I don't know we should google this but that was <laughs> it was a number that seemed less than the number of people that I knew you know like it seemed less yeah. than than the number of things that I owned and I was like that seems small uh, uh so yeah, I hope that penguins and love can live in harmony for as long as I'm here. I like that idea a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, you write children's books. They've got a fun, upbeat message that kind of unifies them, and if nothing else. Um, did you grow up with this same sort of mindset? Is this something that evolved over time? Like, what was your evolution into this sort of thought process? Um, well, the longer version of the story is that I... Um, um, like my entire youth was sort of spent living in the world of like, uh, hardcore music and sort of do it yourself culture and, and, um, very, um, contrarian, I would suppose. Mm. Right. Uh, sort of this system is wrong. I don't really know how to fix it. I'm a teenager, but I'm very angry about it. <laughs> Let me show you all the different ways that it is flawed. And then, um, as happens, uh, I got older and also I had a child. That was a big uh, defining characteristic, defining moment. And uh, after you have a child, at least I've found, um, this is all anecdotal, but uh, you, you kind of tend to look at the things that are wrong and think, m maybe, uh, how can I fix these things? <laughs> um, because you want to provide what is ultimately a better place for the, the people that are coming after you. Um, so... Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's inherent in me to to be like uh, brimming with positivity. It's not. It wasn't my neutral setting. It's definitely a um, an active uh, climb, mm. like an ascension toward trying to um, be my best self and provide uh, art that represents that best self for um, for my son and and just for everyone else too. That's interesting. I like this idea that it's active that you have to choose to make this type of art to, to bring this type of idea into the world. Um, do you feel like it was kind of necessary to 
have that contrarian idea so that you can experience this in a more full way. Um, I don't know. Cause something about me says that if you had grown up like with this exact same mindset that, that things would maybe not be the same now. I don't know. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think so. W- one of the things that comes up a lot, um, uh, with my friends that have kids is that w- most of us are in positions where our kids don't have to have the lives that we had. And my life wasn't incredibly difficult, even in like a Western sense, but I certainly didn't grow up with means. Um, but I have parents that love me and I, I was able to do for the most part, a lot of what I wanted to do. Uh, but that said, a lot of the residual emotional and philosophical negativity of the generations that came before you is hard to shake, right? Mm-hmm. So my parents, even though they were n- nice people, they had the baggage of their parents and their parents before them, right? So hopefully it just gets reduced bit by bit. Yeah. But um, among the my friends that have kids, the conversation sort of runs along the lines of, I want them to feel as if they grew up without resources, even though they have resources. Yeah, you know the, the totally. idea that, that that and and so I don't know if if you draw the line at at happiness as a resource or at um, um, comfort as a resource. So it's hard to say. I, personally, would it have been great if I had grown up with a family that was fully aware? Oh, there's a siren coming by. Can you guys hear it? Yeah. It's funny because um, I'm in, I'm on the freeway right now, and uh, uh, the other day I was on the freeway stuck in traffic for quite a while, and I was with my kid and we were kind of talking about um, you know, being in traffic and how it can feel, uh, how you can feel really helpless, right, and that frustration that builds up inside of you, and then by the time we got to the front of the traffic line, what we realized is that there was like a, an accident had happened, you know. As, as it does mm-hmm. and uh, and then you get that sensation which is that you've been in traffic for 20 minutes or 30 minutes the whole time sort of cursing your unfortunate situation and then you get to the front and you re- realize that your situation is pretty great in comparison yeah you know that you weren't in that accident and that you're fine um, and it was interesting because uh, a couple days later I was with my kid again same sort of situation. And just even having that touchstone where we started to get in traffic and he could even see that I was sort of hunching over and beginning to curse inside of myself. <laughs> and uh, and he just sort of pointed to the idea, oh, remember the other day? And even that was enough to just wow. alleviate, alleviate that feeling, that sensation of like, it's important to keep those touchstones, you know, those, yeah. those little things in your pocket that you can just pull out and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I'm about to be stuck in traffic I, I am having a conversation with someone i've never met before using an app i've never used before <laughs> moving in a car with a driver that i just met 20 minutes ago and uh, i'm going to the beach so it's okay sirens are cool yeah i i think that's <laughs> i think it's powerful to be able to look at situations with that kind of wonder and i would imagine that you get a lot of that wonder from you i mean you spend time with kids all the time you're constantly in a new elementary school, middle school, um, talking to kids, speaking to kids. Um, what else are you learning from kids? You know, like what's something that kids have to teach us that, that we've forgotten? Cause I try my best to be a kid. Like half of my job is being a professional Snapchatter, which is like not a thing. Um, and the other half of my job is like hopping on airplanes and like trying to meet new people. And I like to think that my kid self would like that, but I have no doubt that there's lots of things that I have fully forgotten from being a child. Yeah. It's just about boundaries. I believe, you know, um, um, uh, there's no evidence that I can point to again. This is all just sort of experiential for me, but I think that, uh, the more we put up these walls of familiarity, the further we get away from having childlike experiences. Right. And so when you're a kid, you leave your house every day and you, experience new things the sights and the sounds are new the things that you touch are new the smells that you experience are new uh every food is new to you um and uh, if you're lucky you're surrounded by people who love you enough 
to, and whether that's a mom or a dad or a sister or a brother, a coach, or whoever it is, to let you experience those new things and um, fall down and make mistakes and then get back up and go and try other things until eventually you begin to find the things that you like and the things that you dislike. It seems like after a while, though, we tend to put up these um, walls that determine not, not just what we like but what we think we like. And we end up in positions where um, we're saying things like, I don't go down that street. I've never been there, but I know I don't, I wouldn't like it. You know, I don't, I don't really vote that way. (laughs) And uh, you end up, I think, in these positions where you're getting further and further away from having childlike experiences. And um, personally, like I said about positivity or, I don't know if positivity is the right word, maybe, maybe just honesty. you kind of have to work toward it uh, because your default setting is going to just be to do nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Especially once you've achieved any sort of, once you've moved out of the level of survival, pure survival, um, it becomes easy to not want to do anything. It becomes easy to not, uh, and I mean that on a day-to-day basis. Totally. It's easy to not go to a different restaurant. It's easy to make the same meal. It's easy to not... uh, you know, want to change the channel or to go outside or to accept an opportunity that seems foreign. Um, Those things are difficult and they're challenging and they put you in a position where because you're an adult, you recognize that there could be negative consequences. But if you were a child, you wouldn't think about those consequences at all. You would just trust whatever seemed, generally speaking, the most interesting or the, you know, that provided you in theory with the most fun or the the greatest sensation yeah um i was with a friend yesterday he has a a much smaller child uh two-year-old or something like that and uh we were talking and he was saying that he had he decided that he wanted to move uh further out of la this place called topanga canyon which is sort of like a hippie enclave in the hills of uh near the beach and um he was saying that the reason that he wanted to is because He's got this daughter now, and every time they leave the house, he feels like everything she wants to do, he has to tell her no. You know, she wants to pick something up off the ground. He's saying, no, that's gross. She wants to put something in her mouth. He says, no, that's gross. And he felt like he was telling her that the world was yucky, right? Mm. That like every time, and responsibly so, you know, if you're walking around a major city trying to put things in your mouth, it's probably not the best idea. But even those little uh, sort of, I don't know, mental limitations what are the eventual long-term effects you know um what are the what are the ramifications of putting those parameters on your life yeah Uh, as an adult I, i feel like the challenge is knowing that water is wet and knowing that fire is hot but still wanting to seek them out and and try to to do what i don't know have as much fun with those um, elements as you can without drowning or burning yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too too badly. Yeah. Um, what are some practical ways that you've gone out of your way to kind of create more childlike wonder in your life, you know, to kind of experience new things? Yeah, I mean, it's just a variation on a theme, which is that that control can be a powerful drug, Right, and um, it all sort of goes back to the idea of being the child. Right, that that the beauty of being a child is that for the most part you're not aware of of the fact that you're completely out of control. You know, even mm-hmm. when you're spinning spinning around in circles and climbing on the jungle gym and thinking that you're that you're doing it on your own, that you're in the position of power. For the most part, you didn't do anything to get there. You didn't really dress yourself. You didn't feed yourself. <laughs> you don't know where you are. You're completely out of control, as are we all, right? This is all just an illusion that I'm that I am going to the beach right now in the back of this car, you know, or in space. Um, so, <laughs> story-wise, I think the idea is is to try to embrace that as much as you can to put yourself in positions where you actively recognize that a little bit of you, at least, more than usual, is out of control. So I try to do that as much as I can. I try to get lost. I try to like, you know having a friend come and leaving your phones at home and picking you up and going driving around until you're somewhere that you don't know where you've been and it's amazing how 
close you can be to your house and still have that happen. You know, mm. how many streets there are right near you right now that you've never been down before. And, and e- even more to the point, if you go inside some of the houses on those streets with permission, you're now in a place you've never been before. How many buildings in the city that you've been in have you been inside? What's inside those buildings? What are yeah. the stories of those people? It, it, it becomes a lot easier. And so for me, you know, going and getting lost results in pretty magical experiences you drive around in circles until you're in a position where you're you're on a freeway off ramp and you're saying oh i've never been here before what if we pull skateboards out of our trunk and skateboard on a freeway off ramp have you ever done that before no i've never done that before oh cool this is a fun experience and then as you're doing that you know perhaps a man as it did for me a man comes out of the woods on a horse and maybe he's a maybe he's a Mexican cowboy with like a turquoise belt buckle and a giant hat Amazing. speaking in Spanish and he says to you, Do you want to get on my horse in Spanish? And you don't speak Spanish, but you say si and then you get on the back of the horse and you uh, are riding on the back of a horse as the sun sets behind you and it's very beautiful and you feel very powerful and, and it's a unique experience that you had it been uh hours earlier and you had challenged me to do that exact same thing i would have said it was impossible uh but that's i think the beauty of these uh, uh, new experiences of, of getting lost and get, getting out of the box is that you you find these really absurd impossibilities begin to present themselves and what's even more interesting and you know maybe it seems like you, you, i don't know you but it seems like you do a fair amount of of uh, getting outside of the box on your own um I found that that the magical elements tend to present themselves in themes as well. Hmm. So that, for instance, you know, in this story, maybe the theme is uh, is a man on a horse. <laughs> and, and I think if you continue to get further and further lost, the those stories kind of start to tell themselves in a very improvisational way. Where, you know, like um, the other day, I was walking. And uh, uh, I walked by this police car and I thought to myself, it was a police officer and they were doing some business, not arresting someone, but giving someone a ticket on the side of the road. And I, I tend to try to stay as far away from police as possible. And I, I was walking and I just had this thought, which was, it would be funny if I walked up and pretended that that was my, that I thought my car was the police car, you know, <laughs> where you walk up and you go like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was my car. And, but <laughs> I didn't do it because I, I just generally have uh, my my teenage self says no, that's a bad idea. Stay away from <laughs> stay Absolutely. away from that situation, right? Um, and then I regretted not doing it. And then I walked, and uh, as I was walking, I th- I thought, oh, that's how many absurd situations do police get into every day? And then as I'm walking, I pass these other two. It was, you know, less than ten minutes later, I pass these other two police officers. Uh, two female police officers walking up the street and they're both smaller than me and one of them is carrying a cardboard police car like oh my a, gosh. a, a mock-up of a and so right now this is now something i've never seen police doing in my life carrying a, a cardboard police car what i assume like when you see things like that your mind starts going what why is this <laughs> happening you know what is the story and so we're walking and and uh, i'm getting closer and closer and i and i my brain figures out what it is, and I just go to the one police officer and say, oh, it's a cardboard police car. And she says, it sure is. And then they keep walking. And so now I think, okay, do I want to know the answer to that, or do I want to make up the answer to what that is? And so I start making up that story in my head, what class they were teaching or what the value of a cardboard police car would be. And then it, maybe five minutes later, I, I uh, end up at a – I'm walking by a park – and there's another police officer, and he's pulled to the side of the road, all independent of each other, three completely different Amazing. police situations. And he is uh, listening. I've never seen a police officer. I don't know if it was from his phone or what, but the door is open, and he's listening to ACDC. <laughs> and I was like, when have you ever seen a police car playing music? Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was even from his radio or what the situation was, but it was the Trinity. And as it was happening, I was thinking, is this thing going to present itself in threes? Is, it, is there going to be a third act to this police story? And it was, and it was really beautiful. 
And so I think with those situations, whether it's the man on the horse or, or you know, a, a tr- trinity of strange police situations, they're all out there happening all the time. It's just up to you to decide whether or not you want to interact with them. And if so, to what degree? Yeah. In some ways, it's a matter of all the, yeah, all of these things are happening around us and we get to choose whether or not we're going to pay attention to them. Um, yeah. And I think part of me feels like that's just what life is as an adult is we kind of get conditioned to be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to pay attention to the news. I'm going to pay attention to the things that make me angry on Facebook. I'm going to pay attention to like, I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's all kinds of things, but I think we can kind of train ourselves to do these things that are a little bit less standard. Like, Hey, I'm going to look for police officers doing things that I maybe don't expect them to be doing. And I think that when you do that, they'll show up and I can, I don't, yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. Well, I think what, what it boils down to is that all around you, there are activities, there are incidents, there are potentials for interaction happening all the time. And the majority of them you've never done before, right? But you tend to think that you have because you've seen a lot of them done before. You've heard about a lot of them and it's familiar. Even the idea of going into someone's house, let's say that on your street, however many houses there are, I don't know. There's probably a couple you haven't been in, right? Yeah. And if I were to say, hey, let's go to one of our neighbor's houses and just go inside of it. Let's go knock on their door and see what they're doing. Bring them some cookies. Go see if we can hang out with one of your neighbors, right? That's not a crazy challenge. That no. seems plausible. plausible. But it doesn't sound that exciting because you think, well, I've been in a house before. You know, I've talked to people before. <laughs> but, but even that experience, the experience of going into someone's house you've never been in and talking to them about their life, that in and of itself is way more complex and, and ultimately potentially way more nourishing than any movie you're going to see probably in your whole life, you know, or any TV show that you're going to yeah. watch because it's, because w- what it provides is not only the potentiality of, of new experience and knowledge and knowing someone, but that's now a human being that you can interact with forever. You know, that's now a human being that, uh, might someday donate a kidney to you or that, might solve a problem that you didn't even know that you had or that you might do the same for them and now you're entering into this really deep and complex web of 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 um humanity which is beautiful and and beyond television or movies even experientially if you were to ask someone to make a list of 20 things you could do in your city right now we all know kind of what that list would look like after the first 20 things it would start getting really scant and you would lose uh, your momentum, right? Is you'd be like, well, well, I put miniature golf and I put, uh, you know, going to the bowling alley, what's next? <laughs> and really the answer is go out and find three police officers doing weird things. You know, the answer is sort of treat life like a scavenger hunt. Uh, yeah. Where, wherein the goal is nourishment and enjoyment and experience rather than um, entertainment or money or checking out you know, yeah. being present. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a small little town. And so the list of things that, that you could do, like if you made a list of like, Oh, here's the activities you can do in your town. It really is short. And so we learned how to do so much stuff with like a watermelon, you know, it's like, yeah, sure. you go to Walmart and you're like, cool, I'm going to like, I'm going to count the watermelons. And then it's like 3am and you're like, well, I'm going to buy the biggest watermelon and I'm going to throw it off of um, the clock tower onto the football field. Um, and then I'm going to take a different watermelon and I'm going to roll it down the biggest hill in town. And you can, you know, all of a sudden it's, you know, this fruit that tastes much more like water than anything else. Like watermelons are the worst. Um, it's got this total life of its own and you, I don't know. Did you just say, did you just say watermelons are the worst? Yeah. Cantaloupes are where it's at. And if you, uh, I think you might be in a, (laughs) I think that you might be drawing a line in the sand that, uh, that might, there's no turning back from. (laughs) Yeah, that, I don't think that's ever a statement I've said out loud, and I'm glad that I'm saying it with you, and uh, yeah, and we sure. can fight about this if we want to. No, I've I, I found that with um, things of taste, that it, it really is uh, to each his or her own, but uh, I, I gotta assume that watermelons are the worst. That's a very <laughs> heavy, you've really, you've, really, you've really thrown down the gauntlet with that one. Yeah, um, yeah, I... But yes, they are majority water. That's true. That, yeah, I think As that's what I mean. Fruits. I'm a I'm a huge fan of water. We needed to live, um, 
but but maybe if I'm gonna have a melon, I want it to have a little bit more flavor to it. Maybe that's have all I'm ever, saying. Have you ever rolled a cantaloupe down a street? I you know I haven't, and I like to See? think that the this shell is, is too tonight. hard. But we, I think that's what I'm gonna have to do tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. this is going live on Snapchat for sure. Well, it's funny that you bring it up because I think if you say. When I was a teenager, me and my friends got some watermelons. We threw them off a building. Yeah. We rolled them down a street, right? That Everybody goes, yeah. They, they Even if they didn't do that as a teenager, they kind of go, yeah, I did something like that once, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, instead of, I did that yesterday. You know, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm 75, and me and my 75-year-old friends went and did that. And I think uh, it's a different feeling. You know, it's a different feeling doing that when you're – when you have two kids and, and a mortgage than it is when you're 16 and the world is limitless, but it's still a feeling. And I think it's still a feeling worth having. And still, it's, you know, even w- with your parallel, I've done it with a watermelon. What happens if you use a cantaloupe? You know, what's the, is there a different result? It, it's sort of life experiments is what you're doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I like that. seeing what the results will be. I love this. This is so good. I feel like this is like, the chillest counseling session I've ever had where it's like, Brandon, you need to go out and roll a watermelon tonight. I'm like, I do. I'm an adult human and this is important. Yeah. It's a, I was talking to a friend yesterday about, you know, at this point there's a, there's no limit of information as to what we're supposed to do, you know, in terms of self-help or podcasts or Ted talks or books or webs webisodes whatever it is right there's no one is is looking for information that isn't out there uh when it comes to happiness and life we all kind of have a general idea it's about love it's about knowing yourself it's about finding purpose it's about being around family it's about exercise you know if i gave you a list again not, not to make it all about lists but if i gave you a list of 20 things that most human beings need everyone would kind of have a, a, a slightly similar top five oh, right yeah wouldn't be crazy <laughs> but i think that the the trick of it is 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 really again coming up with these sort of touchstones with these these um uh lists of information these little bullet points where you can go oh yeah maybe it's just a matter of rolling a watermelon down the street maybe it is just a thousand things you can do to get outside of your head mm. and 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 uh, in many ways, that's what the internet is. You know, in many ways, the internet is is someone going, "Hey, I bought this Chewbacca mask. Isn't this funny?" And then you know, just watching ten thousand people go buy Chewbacca masks as a result of it, yeah. or whatever those things are, right? Hey, did you guys know that you can do a Rubik's cube blindfolded? And suddenly now that's a possibility, right? Yeah. And it, you know, obviously before that, the internet just expedites what is already a natural process, which is that we're. If we can't solve a problem, we outsource that problem to the, the greater whole, and then that problem comes back to us. It's easier to solve, right? Um, and, uh, you know, like in my youth, you would see it in skateboarding where uh, something was thought to be impossible, or in sports in general. Something is thought to be impossible, and then someone breaks that possibility, and now suddenly everyone can do it totally. from that point on. Yeah. It's, a, that, it's no longer the ceiling, but it's the floor. Um, uh, so really i think it's just about going hey everyone should roll a watermelon down the street or whatever maybe that's wasteful maybe that's you're wasting food who knows what it is you should roll something down the street uh uh i heard the other day uh a friend told me about his there was a a a thing that she used to do in her youth called uh, uh gosh i can't even remember it had a real ridiculous name that was called like a smash it up break it up party huh. where you would take something from your house that had whatever value you could decide and then you would go with your friends to a field and you would all break that thing but before you did you would all close your eyes and take turns someone would throw a thing in the air and you would try to guess what it was that was breaking by the sound of it huh you know yeah and so it's just these little things sure we've all broken a thing before sure we've all gotten our frustrations out on an inanimate object but you know making it a ceremony or making it a game now where you get together communally and, and mourn the loss of the fax machine or whatever it is now it's, <laughs> it's a it's a now it's new it's a unique experience and yeah i think it's easy for me the the best way to make it make sense is 
think of all the people in your life that you've met that you don't remember uh, because you met them at a party or you met them uh, at a wedding. You met them at some experience that, that, that happens enough to where you don't have a place for it in your head. If you had met them rolling a watermelon down the street and you saw them 35 years later and they were like, yeah, remember we rolled that watermelon down the street? You would go, oh, yes. Yeah. I remember that experience, definitely, you know? Yeah. And I want my life to be that. I want my life to be more of those and less of, hey, we saw that movie I can't remember the name of. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I like that. I like that idea of creating these more memorable experiences. And, you know, uh, my second episode of this podcast ever was with this guy named Jedediah Jenkins. And uh, Jedediah rode a bike from Oregon to Patagonia. So, like, mm. all the way down North America and all the way down South America. And um, he talks about this idea, like this is a scientific idea that um, as you get older, time feels like it moves faster because your brain doesn't have to work as hard because you've already categorized all these things. So your brain's not learning. You're like, oh, like that's a couch, that's a wall, that's a person. And so you're, but like when you're a kid, you're like, what is this? And you go sit on it. You're like this, I can sit on this. They're like, that's a couch. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I learned it's a couch. But the next couch you see, if it's a different color, you're like, is this one still a couch or is it, you know, but when you're an adult, you've got all this stuff figured out. And so, um, I think it's even, it's even, it's even more than that because you start to recognize systems and categories and it becomes easier to apply that same logic to people, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and so whether that's, However it is that you qualify people, whether it's, um, you know, based along uh, nationality or based along race or religion or sex or whether it's based along astrology or politics, what color shoes they're wearing, you know, oh, wow, there's a fight that's happening right outside of my window right now to, I don't know, a bald guy and a guy with no shirt on and they're punching each other on the side of the road. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. It looked like they were two homeless gentlemen, but they were really going at it. They're still going at it. We're stopped. They're kind of behind us right now. Can't really see what's happening. Wow. It's uh, almost 11. Seems a little early for a fight. Seems a little <laughs> a little too nice out to be scrapping on the sidewalk, but who knows? Who knows what the situation is? Anyhow, that's another example, you know, like you're driving and you see a fight suddenly things suddenly you're reminded of how little control you have mm. you're reminded that you're that that, that we're just animals <laughs> that uh, things are happening all around you that you have no control over you There's a motorcycle next to me it's really loud oh my gosh um, <laughs> you you have a story of your son getting in a fight is that right i do uh yeah i mean i don't know i I feel like a lot of the that stuff exists already in documented form. Yeah, so no, I don't know true. if I want to if I want to go down that road just because it becomes. Um, Let's skip it. It's like doing a bit, you yeah. know. Um, uh, and I feel like this is more of an opportunity to have a just like a straight up. Let's see where the conversation goes. I love Even it. that. I mean, to to that end, like you know, maybe leave that in. I think to that end, it's the same thing. Uh, I, I imagine. I I assume you do a lot of talking to people, right? Yeah. Uh, so when someone asks you where you're from or what your middle school was like, you know the answer to that. And if you want to change that answer, you can change the adjectives. But for the most part, the story stays the same. And the more that you tell that story, it's like you're saying, the more it becomes a couch that you've sat on a million times. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I was at a friend's house yesterday or the day before, and I met this girl, and she was an actress. And uh, I didn't know anything about her. And she told me some story about her youth. And I said, oh, that's really cool. And then I said, well, or you could just be completely lying to me. And it would still be cool. Like, I don't really have any idea. Yeah. And then I said, I said, hey, for the rest of the night, since we don't know anything about each other, can we just periodically lie to each other? Um, <laughs> uh, but it has to be a lie that would have no real consequence, no, no uh, value to be gained. Yeah. Just sort of... You know, oh, I went to this middle school, changing the name of it or changing the color of it, uh, softening it, rounding the edges. And, you know, potentially for the betterment of the story, let's say, right? Yeah. Uh, I saw that dog uh, walking down the street. Or let's say I was going to tell the story about the two guys that were just fighting. And then I was like, and then one of them threw the other one in the air and <laughs> ripped his head off or whatever it is, right? Um, so she and I started playing that game. And I, even that became more exciting to me because 
when you meet someone for the first time, you know that you're going to have to tell stories you've already told before. And if you're someone like in my world, it's even more unfortunate because a lot of the stories that are the best stories of my life I've told on stage and I've, I've told a thousand times and it doesn't make them not good. It doesn't make them not important. And it also doesn't make them not, not the right answer, you know? Yeah. Uh, but after a while you just go, Oh, same thing. What's the potential for make believe? What's the potential for, um, what would a kid say? You know? Yeah. Hey, hey kid, where are you from? Does eventually he just say, I was born on a boat. You know, does he eventually just go, I was born in space? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I really like this idea of, I think that when you, like, what if you made a rule for yourself that you're only allowed to tell each story of your life five times, you know, or three times, one time. Um, It makes you pay attention to the little moments, you know? I just try to skip them. I just try to get as far away from them as quickly as we can. You know, as, as much as you... As quickly as you can dispense with formalities, uh, getting, uh, I guess most people would say small talk. Yeah. The closer that you can get to big talk, to deep talk, the, the but but in a genuine way, not in a way to where you meet someone for the first time and you're like, tell me about the first time your parents made you cry or whatever, yeah. right? Um, but really going, going out of it, you know, stepping out of it, one of the um, questions that I find is good for that. Um, is instead of asking how are you doing or how's your day, just asking what have you learned today, you know, and that's mm. enough. It's the same question. It's basically a variation on the same theme, but it's enough to to create a moment of pause in a person's day, and it's enough to to uh, make them really think. Okay, not what did I do, what did I learn? Is there anything that I can share? And as a result of that, I think we, you just save yourself. You you just dispense with nonsense and 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 just conversation that has value but it's almost implied at that point you know unless you're act like uh, for the most part when you ask someone how they're doing they're not going to tell you oh you know yeah (laughs) they're just going to tell you they're good (laughs) yeah exactly and so might as well bring up the i it's not that you're trying to like if somebody's having a bad day it's not like you're trying to get them to talk about their bad day it's that you you genuinely are wondering like what is going on in your life and you have to break, you have to break the standard to be able to, I want them to talk about their bad days. I want to agitate to the point where we can get real. And then, cause what if I have the answer yeah. to their bad day or what if their bad day is the answer to my good day? Or what if they, because of having a bad day and they're able to unload, uh, we both, you know, bridge some gap or reach some place or ascend some mountain together. It's the fact that every person that you meet has the, has the potential for being in your life or changing your life for the better or forever is, uh, it's a, it's a really, um, um, underestimated value, you know, the yeah. person at the grocery store, whoever it is that that person can, uh, completely and totally change who you are. Uh, the fact that we don't consider that a, a, a value, uh, that we underestimate it, and that for the most part it's invisible and neglected, it's it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a total free reign opportunity to to go and do, I don't know, to to uh, expand for expansion. Yeah, I think we make a lot of assumptions about people. We categorize a lot of people, but like if there was one assumption that we could make, it would be awesome if the assumption was that everybody out here has a connection point with us. Everybody out here, we can help or they can help us. And like, there's so many people we freaking interact with every single day. Um, and we, we don't give it a second thought or we, so many people we pass on the street. Um, but they're, they're living, breathing human beings. I mean, this, this sounds like stoner talk, but it's like, Whoa, that, <laughs> that person's a person like me, but it's true. Yeah, it's intense. It's funny as you're saying it. I'm I'm driving through. There's this part in um, uh, Venice, California, where there's this one street uh, where uh, a bunch of people have set up these homeless tent camps. You know, and so like all along both sides of the street, it's just uh, tents and tents and tents, shopping carts and tents and shopping carts. This is cool. I'll hop out here. Thank you. I'm getting out as we continue. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, man. Have a great day. You too. Appreciate it. Thank you, driver. Um, thank you. My friend says thanks too. Uh, I'm going to be out at the beach for a while. Okay. Have a good one, brother. Um, 
so yeah, I'm like walking through what's essentially a tent city now and just thinking like, oh yes, these are all human beings beyond, beyond the average, uh, working, thinking, contributing human being that you're seeing every day. Here's a a homeless population who works and thinks and contributes in their own way and their own beautiful way, or that are trying their hardest in whatever way that they can to get through the day. And it's, um, you know, even that, even that element of, of as obvious as that is, those are small lives that you can go into. And, I, you know, stoner talk aside, uh, I think essentially you're just describing poetry, which is yeah. the ability to, like, look at a photograph or look at a, a moment and think inside each of those houses in this photograph is a person and inside each of those people is a dream, mm. you know? Uh yeah, so so yeah, I'm, I'm now I'm out. I'm in the area of the beach. I'm walking around. It's beautiful outside. I saw a fight. Um, I, I I didn't think that that was going to happen. And now I think that I have to decide whether or not that's a theme. Whether I'm going to see more fights. Whether at some point I'm going to stop a fight from happening. Yeah. Or it just happens like that. You know. I love the way that you see the world, and this is so fun getting to see you. Like you're not just sitting in a room, you're interacting with the world. Um, Trying. And maybe as you were moving towards the beach, as you're outside of this car. um, So normally with every episode, I ask a few questions that I love to ask every guest. Um, I'm going to duck down an alleyway and then that way we can uh, have all of your questions be uh, focused as possible. Let me duck down, coming up on this alleyway real quick. Sweet. Awesome. (laughs) I'm I'm walking basically along the main street that's next to the ocean and... Yeah, where you're in Nashville? So I'm in Nashville, but I used to live in Portland, Oregon. And so okay. I was an hour from the mountains, an hour from the beach. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been to both those places, Nashville and Portland, both great cities. Yeah, they're they're fun. They're, there's good people, good food. Oh my gosh, good food for sure. Um, what brought you to Nashville from Portland? So I fell in love with a girl who lived in Nashville and we dated uh-huh. long distance for a few years. Um, when we decided to marry each other, um, uh-huh. I flew out to Nashville and like found a house to live in and we got married and she moved in and now we're married. And that it, that's only been like seven months. We're like super freshly married. Um, Whoa. and I'm super freshly in Nashville. How, uh, how long were you guys together before you got married? We dated three and a half years, maybe four. Whoa. And was that, uh, was marriage something that you always saw yourself doing? Was that something that you had always planned on? Or was it, oh, this is the one and now I know it? I kind of assumed I was going to get married because I had um, I had so many mentors and role models who they were creatively like my mentor. Like they would like, they taught me how to be a photographer. They would teach me how to be an artist. They would teach me how to think about the world differently to make an impact with what I do. Um, but I really admired the way that they loved their partner or the way that their partner brought something like out in them. And so uh-huh. it was just built into my psyche from probably an early enough age that I almost didn't consider any other way. Um, but then this girl, you know, we, we decided like, okay, like this is, this is going to work. And we, we don't, I think the thing for us is that we don't assume that the other person is perfect or that the other person is like, like she's not my soulmate. Like we don't think that that's a real phrase. Um, sure. What we, what we think is that we're just going to choose each other. You know, we're going to have good days and bad days. And some days I'm going to be a total tool and I'm going to suck. Um, uh-huh. And the same will happen, you know, in the inverse, but we're going to choose each other. And I think that's what love is. It's sacrifice. And I kind of like the idea of like, the legal ramifications of like, and the social ramifications mm. of being like, we are married. Therefore, like we're going, like we're going to choose each other. Not because like the legal stuff is what matters, but because it's kind of a symbol. I don't know. It's fun. We've got like a legal document. that's like a piece of paper. Um, but we had all of our friends sign it at our wedding, like where it says witnesses, like we've got like five signatures there. And then the rest of the paper is filled with people's signatures. Um, because oh, we like cool. want them to be like, like we want them to kind of hold us accountable to continuing to choose each other. Wow. That's nice. I think that's a, that's an interesting take on a, on a proven theme. Thank you. <laughs> as a, it's funny, like as I'm walking, I'm, there's a, 
there's an orange stove sitting on the corner and it's so beautiful. It's like a, an orange stove, like an old kitchen stove from a yeah. long time ago, you know? Generally, when things are on the corner, that means that someone's thrown them away and that means that you can draw all over them if you want. I love that. This thing is, it's so pretty on its own uh, that I, it feels like it belongs to someone. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to draw on it. Um, <laughs> are you going to do that right now? Yeah, I'm doing it while we talk. I'm just looking at it and sort of thinking what what sometimes you just see a thing and it speaks to you and sometimes you just see a thing and you go this needs to say something but i don't know what yet um all right i'm gonna draw on this thing while we continue this conversation i normally ask yeah what kind of person do you most admire in the world sure but i want to ask from you like what's a person that surprised you you know keeping with this theme what's somebody where you were like man like i am glad i had this experience because it it made me think about the world in a different way and if i hadn't gotten out of my mindset like I wouldn't have had this experience yeah and I think the answer the obvious answer to me is my son is the the, the gauge you know my son mm-hmm. is the is the sort of gosh I, I guess just my conduit to um, my better self or to what we could all be doing and so you have a child and you try to teach that child everything that you know and you try to provide them with the best opportunities that you can and you try to surround them with the best um, uh, resources to learn from. And then eventually you get in a position where the child surprises you with the knowledge that, that they're able to um, display. That's incredible. And also how they're able to interpret you know, situations they've never been in before. Um, when I wrote my first book, uh, an awesome book. The idea is about having these dreams, these fantastic, wild, imaginative dreams, but also having dreams when you're awake, having aspirations and hopes and goals and things. And um, so for my son, when he was very young, he was in this position where he would go to sleep and he would have dreams about things that he had never done before, as we all do, right? Mm-hmm. But his dreams would be, you know, he'd wake up and say, I had a dream. I remember specifically he had a dream about being on a boat. And it was interesting because he'd never been on a boat before. Wow. So what is your dream what is your dream of a boat feel like if you've never been on a boat, you know? Um, wow. and that that to me is a really interesting idea. Uh, you know, w- what is your version of reality? What's the reality that you want to create? Does it feel like what you thought it was going to feel like? All of those sorts of questions. And 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 I think that that comes full circle in having a child because you you have, I, I guess, some expectations of what it's going to be like. But every time that your child does something that you didn't think was going to happen, it's it's mind-blowing and rewarding. So this is sort of a gold medal experience. It's, it's really brilliant, you know. And those wow. can be really simple things. The other day I took my kid to go see uh, the movie Independence Day. Um, and it was really awesome because he's 13 and that's an awesome movie if you're 13 you know <laughs> but if you're not 13 it's not the greatest movie of all time but i you know i saw the original independence day probably around the same age and maybe a, maybe a little older but i remember feeling similarly like oh this is crazy aliens people are fighting and it was awesome because my son was very naive to its reality you know afterwards he goes wait there was another one like he didn't know that it was a sequel <laughs> And so that already is a beautiful thing. But as as he asked me that question, I started to describe to him, you know, the concept of a franchise. And I was like, do you know what that word means? And then he said, uh, yeah, I think that's where, you know, someone takes something and they break it up into smaller pieces and then they make it so they can make money off of those smaller pieces. <laughs> and I, and I, I was like, yeah, that's basically what a franchise is in a way. <laughs> and so that, that was enough. That to me was better than the movie. You know, my son's definition of what he believed a franchise to be. And, uh, and uh, uh, those sorts of things are, are where I see the greatest value, which is just being surprised, you know. Oh, look, there's an airplane. Oh, no, a helicopter. <laughs> I'm sure you guys can hear that. It's That's a amazing. black helicopter. It looks like one of those helicopters from uh, the 80s, like would be in Magnum PI or something. Amazing. The one that's just super rounded. Um, I'm guessing it's going to... I don't know. What's it going to do? Go out, fly along the coast, make sure everybody's okay. Maybe Maybe there's there's some photographers in in there shooting some sweet photos of the beach. Oh yeah, that's possible. I feel like all of that is done by a drone at this point. For real. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so, um, 
yeah, the idea of just of just being surprised, and I think for me, most of that comes from from my kid. But it's everywhere, man. You know, even in the ride over here, I was surprised. Yesterday, I was in a car, and the uh, Uber driver was a part time actor, and I asked him what role he would most like to play if he could play any role, and he said he wanted to play Tarzan, but as an ape. You know, Whoa. where Tarzan didn't speak, and he just was like a Cro Magnon, the missing link, and I was like, that's the craziest answer that i if you would have given me fifty thousand guesses i wouldn't have guessed what that was going to be and he's thought about it before too oh yeah well it was interesting because he goes oh that's a good question and then he sat (laughs) and he any any and usually not that there's a usually but i would i would think okay maybe i can get a gauge on who this guy is and what he maybe what he likes by what he's told me already but it was a real curveball and i loved it that's great so the kind of person that you most admire really is somebody who kind of throws curveballs. But the cool thing is that because you know your son better than I would imagine you know anybody, um, you get to experience those curveballs in all kinds of incredible ways and fulfilling ways. Like, I love that. I think I admire people that are able to be their honest selves mm. and and not be burdened by, I don't know, assumption or precedent or nostalgia or history or expectation you know yeah and that's a real difficult thing to do you know it's difficult to be as genuine as possible in whatever experience is happening to you at whatever time um there's hundreds of billions of dollars being spent every day by companies that you don't even know about trying to get that not to happen yeah (laughs) trying to trying to manipulate your experiences or you know, uh, make it so you have certain feelings about certain things that are beyond your control. And so when you get to watch someone do that in a real genuine, seemingly as close to an honest way as you can do, feels really good. That's amazing. The next question I want to ask is, I mean, I normally ask like, what are you consuming that you love right now? I want to remix it and be like, what are you consuming that's inspiring you right now? Like what's spurring you forward to create or like to live differently? What's one thing? Uh, it's funny that you use the word consume because I, I f- feel like a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I really hit this stride where I feel like I moved out of the role of consumer. Yeah. You know, um, I think that as a youth, your your goal is to consume as much as you can and as many ways as you can. Nourishment, hopefully, hopefully nourishment, but all kinds, right? And uh, and then I think at a certain point, if you've consumed enough and you and you then have an outlet for that consumption, that your obligation is then to create, to offset, right? Yeah. To improve upon that which you consumed and make it better for the next group, right? And so I, I think right now it's pretty crazy because I don't feel like I'm doing that much consumption. I don't feel like I'm doing that much consumption, at That's least really in an artistic, cool. like in an artistic capacity. Even, you know, like I said, movie-wise or whatever, right? Uh, if my son hadn't... First of all, I wouldn't have gone to see Independence Day without a child. But if <laughs> I was watching it and during the middle of it, I felt like, oh, this isn't fulfilling me, I would just leave. Like, I'm at that place in my life where... That's where, where awesome. If I go to an art show or something, for the most part, I, I look at the art and I go, this is cool that someone did this, but this isn't for me right now. And then I can just go outside and, you know climb a tree or just watch people argue and and that is a better than the movie or the art show to me like Hmm. try just humanity i guess i was thinking about it the other day and i guess that the the simplest way to put it is that the goal of art is to make you appreciate life right and that art in my life has done its job so well that i don't really necessarily right now need that art you know um that i can that i can consume life and and then transpose that life into what i think is is i don't know betterment yeah um so i guess the answer is that i'm just consuming life i'm consuming uh humanity and nuance and unexpected situations and uh strange happenstances and that those have been like way more like i couldn't even name a band or a song right now you know (laughs) that that isn't standard issue you know because for the most part i just put on things that are out of my control and let them play in the background while i do what i think is more um just more for me right now and that's That's like it's such a hard it's a hard thing to say too because um i had a friend who 
who made a movie and when you make a movie you'll do these screenings where you have people come and watch them and give you notes right and it'll be a test audience and so he said hey you want to come out and and came out and we watched the movie and you give notes and the next day he called and asked if i had any notes and i kind of told him the same thing which is that like i don't feel like i'm the i'm a consumer right now i feel like i'm the wrong person to ask and that there are tons of people who are the right people to ask but that you know in the best case scenario like you did a great job making this movie but i would just rather be looking at the sky you know <laughs> yeah i love that i love that you there's intentionality behind that you're saying i'm going to choose to consume this and not that and the this that you're consuming is not even something people would traditionally say like is something consumable you know you're just paying attention yeah. and you're enjoying that and because um, well, a... at the core of that question, you're asking for an endorsement. You're asking for a recommendation of things that people might not know about. You know, so if I said, "Man, I'm really listening to the Beatles' White Album," you'd be like, "What a great answer!" You know, like, <laughs> what a, awesome. Um, you know what I'm doing is the most popular thing that everyone already is well aware of. And so if I say, oh, "I'm listening to this band you've never heard of. It's these guys. They're from Albania or whatever," right? You'd be like, "Oh, that's an interesting answer." But to me, I think that the answer is rolling the watermelon down the street. You know, I think that the answer is, let's just get outside of music and movies and entertainment and, and, and pre-existing structures completely and recognize that the thing I'm consuming most is just the irregularity of life. Mm, that is beautiful. I want to end on this last question. Um, I normally ask people, based on the ways you've chosen to step out and live your life differently, what's one thing you'd encourage somebody else to do in their own life? But for you, it like, so I think that kids are always asking for permission, but like more so, I think adults are asking for permission more, you know, like kids are cool with like breaking the rules and stuff. Um, and so if you could give people one piece of permission, what would you want to leave people with? Like what's, what would you hand people as just a piece of permission? Gosh, let me think about that. Um, I guess I would have to say, hold on, let's see. Hey, what would, if you could give people permission to do anything in the world, adult people, what, what permission would, do you think people are most looking for in their lives? I guess to, to express themselves, whatever they want uh-huh. without being judged. Yeah, Isn't sure. That obvious? I think right? that's, that's probably the answer that I was giving. A friend just asked me. Yeah. What's your name? Kate. Kate Dallas. Actually, I have a bad hand. Oh, How do okay. you do? Nice yeah, to meet nice you, Nice to Dallas. meet you. Pleasure. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you, Kate. So, um... <laughs> You know, Kate, I think, is pretty right on there. Just the, the freedom to express yourself, the idea that, that there aren't any rules, man, that we get stuck in this world where you're conditioned to believe that every aspect of your life has, like, sort of what you're saying, a, an easiest solution, a practical solution, but that, for the most part, unless you're actually racing a race, you know, and ex- unless you're actually participating... Oh, another airplane... Unless you're actually participating in um, a sport where the goal is to get more points than the other person, that for the most part, you're on this journey. There are no right answers. No one has any answers. Everyone's answers is just an interpretation of everyone's version of what they think is the easiest for themselves. Um, and, and that realistically, every opportunity that you have to step outside of, of that uh, normalcy is an opportunity to, to test your abilities as some, someone that's creative, as an artist, and just as a human. And, and, you know, when I say art, obviously, I assume that there are a lot of people that listen to what you do that are probably actually artists as their occupation. But I, I mean it more in the broader sense that we're all artists and that life can be art and that uh, for your life to be art, it, it needs that consumption of other elements of life, you know? That yeah. it can't just it can't just subsist on the consumption of art alone, because Absolutely. then it just becomes art that is derivative of other art. So, yeah, I think Kate, Kate kind of nailed it, which is just we're all looking for permission to be ourselves. Chances are you're already yourself. That's beautiful. I am so glad that you asked, Kate. Um, I love the way that your brain thinks. Dallas, this has been so fun. Um, this this has seriously been so much fun. I just, I love it. I'm like thinking about all the fun stuff that we've done over the last hour. I wasn't even there with you. Like I'm sitting in a studio and um, thanks for bringing me on an adventure. Thanks for bringing people on an adventure. If people want to follow along with more of your adventures on the internet or, or get your books, um, where can they do that? 
Um, you know, it's just my name is Dallas Clayton. You know how to use the internet. It's easy <laughs> enough. Perfect. Um, cool. Man, Dallas, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I'll, uh, go, I'll let you go and have fun at the beach, and uh, I'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, brother. Have a good one, man. Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network. It's created in collaboration between me, Brandon Harvey, and Gradient. Check them out at gradient.is. That's gradient.is. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast this week. If you liked this week's episode, make sure you subscribe. And if you can head over to iTunes and leave a review, that would mean a lot. It really helps people find the show. Outside of this podcast, you can find me basically everywhere on the internet except Wikipedia. Just Google my name. That's Brandon with an E-N. And with that, that's a wrap for this week's episode. See you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another incredible person. Sound good?